welcome to E-Commerce Innovators, a podcast that brings together the brightest minds in the industry to explore innovative strategies and trends in global e-commerce. Our host is John LeBaron, Chief Revenue Officer at Pattern, the premier partner for global e-commerce acceleration. everyone. Thanks so much for joining today. My name is John LeBaron. I'm the Chief Revenue Officer here at Pattern. And we are very excited to have Misty Mountain join us today. We've got Goose and San on deck to uh, be able to tell us a little bit more about how they've innovated in their own business, in their culture, as well as on e-commerce. So without further ado, let's get going on this. All right. Great. Well, hey, I'm Goose. I've uh, grown up in North Carolina. I started my uh life in Charlotte and uh, went to high school there. And uh, in high school, I had the pleasure of meeting this guy. I got to be friends with him. His name in high school was Woodsy, Woodsy Keen. And uh, as his name would lie or his nickname, uh, he was very interested in going outdoors and playing in the woods and camping. He learned to climb at an early age and with the Boy Scouts and went way beyond what he learned from the Scouts very quickly and um, started not only lead climbing with, you know, pretty primitive gear in the 70s, uh, uh, you know, hexes and yeah, some pretty strange looking nuts and things like that. And that was in the day of the Tide Swamis. And Woody actually, uh, his father worked for a company called Selenese that made textiles. And so he had access to their uh, research and development laboratory and was able to sew up climbing harnesses on the sewing machine at the outdoor gear shop where he worked. And then he would take them to his dad's uh, office and test them out on an Instron tester. So even as late, you know, in the late 80s, Woody was already designing and building climbing harnesses. And uh, I remember the first time I went climbing with him, we came up to Table Rock in North Carolina, which is a couple of hours north northwest of uh, Charlotte. And uh, we climbed multi-pitch, you know, and it was the first time I'd ever climbed trad multi-pitch in my life. I was all of like 16, 17. And it was just, you know, it freaking totally blew my mind. I was like, oh, my God, this is too cool. And, of course, you know, on the route we were on, which was like a 5.6 or 5.7, I remember at one point it was kind of steep and I couldn't climb it. And it was just flailing, you know. And finally I was like, Woody, Woody, I'm going to fall. Catch me, you know. And he was like, don't worry, don't worry. I got the rope tight. You're, you're good, you know. And I sagged on the rope and kind of hung there. And he was like, hey, look down at your legs. What's on the end of them? And I was like, feet, man. And he was like, well, try using them instead of doing pull-ups the whole way and you'll be fine. Come on, get up here. So, you know, that was the kind of relationship I had with Woody. It was always a, a good time with him. You would get into some situations which might be a little bit of a struggle, but ultimately you'd get on through them and be able to, you know, come on home and tell everybody about it. And I remember after that first day of climbing, the next day I Went back to school on a Monday, you know, and uh, I took one of the little chocks he had, one of the little nuts, and I it was on a tied cord. I think it was a hex, and I just put it around my neck like a friggin' you know piece of jewelry. And I was so excited about climbing with him and getting up Table Rock and doing my route. This is the name of the route. It's not my route, and um, <laughs> it was so much fun. So you know, that's kind of where Woody started Misty Mountain was long before he ever started Misty. And he ended up going to school up here in Boone at App State and graduating. And then he was working at North Carolina Outward Bound School and he was the head climbing instructor. And um, 
he designed a harness then called the fudge and it was basically eat all the fudge you want this harness will still fit or fully adjustable one size fits all and uh, it was kind of a swiss seat with buckles and he yeah. started making them in his garage at night and his garage was in the misty mountain neighborhood outside of blowing rock okay. and uh, so that's the name misty mountain threadworks that's where that came from and in the mid 80s uh, woody realized he had a pretty good you know opportunity to sell these harness to other programs, to Knowles and to people he knew at other outward bound schools, Pacific and up in the Hurricane Island and those guys up there. So anyway, long story short, uh, Woody started the company in the mid 80s. Um, it started in his garage. It quickly moved into other rental properties. And um, and that's how we all got started. I've been involved with Woody since I was in international manufacturing and st stuff like that for a while after I got out of school. And I uh, ended up joining Woody in the late 80s in 1989, became an owner, a part owner then. Uh, Woody and I worked on the business together for many years. Um, in 20, Woody is retired now. Um, and uh, I bought out my remaining partner in 2015. So I'm the sole owner and been doing this a little while now. Um, it's great opportunity. I'm the president, you know, which means I'm in charge of fixing the toilets when they break and making sure there's enough money to hit payroll. And, um, you know, I'm mostly involved with marketing, finance, and quality management, I would call it. Um, making climbing harnesses, you know, quality is pretty important. You don't want to kill your customers. You want to make sure 100% of your harnesses are going out safe and uh, able to be used in a situation where they might be stressed and loaded to a high, you know, 3,000, 4,000 pounds. So we make them strong, we make them good. And um, so that's what I do here. And then um, San, I'll let him tell you about his job a little bit more, but he's our operations manager, which means I just pretty much pile everything on him. And uh, he joined the company a little over two years ago. Um, he's involved in many aspects of the operation, including marketing, design. and But the real focus for him is to make sure our production operations work well and we're getting the products made out to our customer in a timely fashion. So yeah. I'll turn it over to Sam for a minute. Yeah, yeah, my name is Sam, operations manager here at Misty. So I handle a handful of things, you know, it changes from day to day, but I like that and that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I found it's it's funny because like Goose tells a story about how he found climbing. I kind of found climbing uh, a little bit differently, but I think ultimately it's kind of what draws people to the company and just also draws people to using our products because of that kind of historic nature of, of the way that we figured out how to make these things, right? Um, so I found climbing out of like necessity. I had a pretty bad back injury in college. Um, I, I broke my back and I had to put two pins in it. And then as I was going through the recovery process, I couldn't do some dynamic, dynamic movements and things of that nature. But as I became healthier, one of my trainers was saying, hey, you should try something a little bit more full body to kind of strengthen your core, strengthen your back, all those different things. So I ended up finding climbing through out of like kind of necessity for me just to kind of like get better. I wasn't able to continue climbing until I like, um, but as I continued to, uh, you know, find myself in the sport, just found myself to just love it way more and just love being outside, all that fun stuff. Um, fast forward to like my professional life. I was, uh, I've always been in some type of building. So initially it was like real estate development and furniture manufacturing. If you're not familiar with the Carolinas, uh, furniture manufacturing is kind of a big deal. Uh, they build a lot of furniture around here. 
which is kind of my background to some degree. So um, I was really excited about that whole process in terms of operations and running things smoothly. But as you can work, I think most people have this kind of this light bulb kind of situation, right? You're, so you're like, you're doing something, you're working, you're enjoying it, but it's not exactly what you want to be doing maybe. And then whenever I got lucky with applying to Misty and they had an opening, it was kind of my attempt to put myself closer to my passion, which is climbing. So, you know, I, I sat down with Goose and uh, was able to, you know, be a part of the Misty family. Um, and he just needed, he had an opening to where, you know, operations was something that was my wheelhouse to some degree. So yeah, I basically deal with all the stuff that kind of happens day to day in terms of, you know, the production, you know, different orders on email and stuff like that. Um, and also just like with product design as well. I think that's another big part of Misty is our innovative climbing uh, tagline. So making sure that we're continuing to innovate, making sure that we're always staying on top of like, you know, 21st century uh, techniques in terms of the way people use our harnesses and also the materials. Um, that's a really big aspect of, you know, what draws people to our product because we do use really high quality, quality materials. And another really big, awesome thing that I love about Misty is everything's made in the USA. So we source all of our stuff within the continental United States. Um, you know, there are some things here and there that we'll have to like, you know, look for a little bit harder, but we try and make sure that everything is made in the USA because that is a really important factor for the way we make stuff and the way that we kind of approach our methodology in terms of manufacturing. Um, so staying on top of all that, making sure all of our materials are good, making sure our processes are good, um, and then making sure ultimately the customer experience is good, right? Because when people are climbing in something, it's like, if you've ever hung in something for a very long time, uh, you want it to be comfortable. So comfort and quality is something that we really take, you know, we take all that stuff to heart. So kind of projecting that on our products is <laughs> really important to all of us, I think. So learning from Goose on, on that thought process and that mindset. And then on top of that, just trying to reflect it in our goods is something that we really, you know, we really focus on. And I try and make sure that we radiate that, that mindset <laughs> to everyone that works here and then everyone that wears our, our products as well. Yeah. I love that. And it's just fascinating backgrounds, fascinating story. Maybe you guys can help, you know, for the listeners here, understand North Carolina a little bit. North Carolina is such an interesting place to me and such an interesting origin story for the company, right? You have everything from, you know, beaches to amazing mountains to these thriving cities and educational epicenters. Tell us a little bit about where Misty Mountain is located and a little bit of, I don't know, the romanticized version of, of, of where you guys got this start. Misty is located in the far northwestern part of North Carolina. So if you looked up in that top corner where it's real close to Virginia and Tennessee, and you just snuck over onto the North Carolina side of Tennessee, that's where we are. It's right in the heart of the Appalachian Mountains. Uh, this area is called the high country. Typically, your valleys are at a minimum, you know, a 2,000 foot elevation and sometimes higher up in the valleys. And then on the mountains around us, we've got Grandfather Mountain that's over a mile in elevation. And we can look over towards Mount Mitchell on a clear day, which is even higher. So we've got some pretty big peaks around us and nice mountains. And it's a beautiful, lush, you know, from a Western perspective, you think mountains and you think 
red or sandstone, dry, arid, you know, above the tree line. Here, everything's below the tree line. It's a very lush, green environment. If you don't cut it back every 10 weeks or so, it'll overgrow. It's like a jungle. And there's rhododendron and huge oak trees and, you know, flora and fauna abounds. It's uh, We have beautiful wildflowers. We have you know, huge deer populations and wild turkeys and eagles and rabbits and foxes. And it's just kind of, a, it's a, to me, I, I'll put it this way. Growing up when I was a kid, I grew up in the, the Piedmont, the central part of North Carolina, which um, is a great place to put cities. It's nothing to really write home about. It's all right. I, I enjoyed it. There was a dirt road near me as a kid, and I used to play on it all the time and go to the creeks and catch crawfish. And uh, But I remember when we'd have vacation in the summer, my dad was an engineering manager, and he'd usually get two weeks off at a time. We'd take a week, and we'd go to the beach. And then we'd come up to the mountains for a week and we'd usually camp out. Usually we'd have a trailer or a tent near a creek. So you'd wake up to the sound of that creek babbling and you didn't know if it was raining or not. I mean, it was just, it's a beautiful, I, I just remember it being so formative growing up to come to these places with these beautiful vistas and blue ridges. And, and then, you know, and I can remember back to 1989 when Woody said to me, hey, you want to join me up at Misty Mountain? To me, that was like, oh my gosh, this, I, you know, that's living in heaven. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I, I flew into Asheville uh, last month and it seriously looked like something out of The Hobbit or it was like a rainforest. So just so beautiful and, and great. So maybe you guys can speak a little bit to, you know, Sam, you touched on this culture of innovation. And I'd love to hear again for the listeners that may not be familiar with the harnesses, et cetera. Um, and, and Goose, you can speak to this as well, obviously. Like, what does that innovation look like? What are some of the things, the innovations you guys have kind of pioneered or the company's pioneered that you're you're most proud of? So just in terms oh, no, of like innovation. Sorry, go ahead, Goose. Please. <laughs> you're good. I mean, a big, a big staple, again, is for us in terms of innovation, like we always want to hold true to the way that we make harnesses. Like our thought process is like, you know, I think any company that makes any product, right? They're always going to think like, I make the best product <laughs> in the industry. But I do believe that we do make a really high quality product, you know, um, in terms of the quality, in terms of even just like the lifespan. Like we have a manufacturing package that tells you, okay, this is when you should ex retire your harness because of, you know, it's some goods, it's textiles and things of that nature. But I can't tell you how many times it's like people will call and say, hey, man, my harness is 15 years old. Can I still climb in this thing? <laughs> you know, it's like one of those kinds of situations where, regardless of the materials or regardless of what it is, we wanna make sure that these harnesses are gonna last as long as they wanna use them and then some. So that's one thing that we always take into consideration too is like comfort, right? So being really comfortable on the wall is something that our harnesses are really known for. Um, and if you know anything about climbing, there's different styles of climbing. So some days you'll be hanging in the harness for a really long time. It's like, for instance, like your big wall, right? So you're on the, you're in your harness for like 10 days or, you're a sport climber maybe and you're only on one pitch and you're climbing for one you know like 60 feet or however far it is we try and take those kinds of concepts into consideration for you know they're very purpose-driven products for the particular style of climbing but we want to make sure that they're comfortable regardless of the style um and then on, on top of that too like a lot of people forget um you know people are wearing these harnesses nowadays and you have all these flashy colors which you know it's, it's great and cool but it at the end of the day it is ppe besides the rope the harness is the next you know, safest thing that's going to keep you 
safe if you fall. Um, so making sure that we're innovating in terms of our safety features, which we've done a lot this year, which is actually really, really exciting, which I'm excited about because, uh, you know, keeping people safe is obviously our top priority. And then obviously experiencing and helping people kind of explore the vertical world is something that is really, really a, like a big passion for folks here at Misty because we do make climbing harnesses, but we do like any, like our ethos or our mindset is that climbing is for everybody and the world would be a better place if more people climbed. I think it's on our website. And, you know, it's like one of those things that we've always kind of tried to radiate through our products. And then, so again, the safety features, the comfort, you know, it's, it's like, I come from furniture. So like, there's only so many ways you can make a, make a chair, right. But you can add certain things to make it better. So we, we certainly try and innovate in terms of safety. We certainly try and innovate in terms of comfort. And then we're always, always, always drilling, you know, quality and then, you know, just longevity of the harness and the user experience essentially, because that's what brings people back to wearing your product or using your product, right. Is that they're having a good experience. So the person that's, climbed in a harness for 10 years, they're not going to be like, well, I'm going to switch over to a different harness now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because no. they've seen other harnesses or other products potentially not last as long or not look as good or hold the test of time. So I think our products kind of speak for ourselves in that regard. But as, as, as designers or as people that are building things that are protecting people or life-saving equipment, innovating on safety is certainly something we're always trying to do. Like just with, just to kind of give an example, like this year, mm -hmm we innovated some different things to kind of help people not necessarily ascend, but descend, right? Because when you go up something, you have to come down, right? <laughs> I mean, there are, there are certain instances where you can walk off, go off the easy side, but there are other instances too, where like you're having to do technical repels, which isn't, if you think of like the glory shot of climbing, right? It's, it's the, the glory part is the going up, right? Everybody takes pictures of the going up, but nobody takes pictures of anyone repelling. It's like, oh man, I did this really cool repel, but you still have to do it, right? Um, so being able to try to innovate in that regard, to be able to keep people safe, not only going up, but also coming back down. Um, so that was something that we really focused on this year, which is actually, you know, it adds safety to the harness, it adds safety to our customers. And then on top of that, it kind of, uh, continues on that same path in terms of innovation for us, in terms of what we think makes a great harness. Yeah. Like what is the culture of innovation? Obviously you have that culture, but how does it manifest itself, I guess, what is the feedback loop that you introduce? Some of these, uh, you know, anti-gravity gear loops or, you know, the tactware that you're bringing in from a material standpoint, is that just all customer feedback? Obviously you have employees that are climbers too, but how do you facilitate that innovation cycle within the company? So you, you're not just kind of building in your own ivory tower or black box. Well, I think, you know, you know, like with the fabrics and stuff like that, we have to be out there and be exposed to them. So we found that when we were at a trade show that deals with, you know, materials that an industry like us would use, industrial fabrics and industrial webbings. And uh, when we found that, and then I couldn't believe it was this company that was already a supplier for us. It was two hours down the road. And I was like, no way. This yeah. stuff. And I knew when I found it, it was these it was what we wanted to try to make harnesses out of because I've been looking for something like that for 20 years. You know, you get an idea when you're doing something at, at this level, what might work best. And this was one of those things that checked all those boxes and pretty much gave it to a designer and said, I want you to design this into a harness and here's how. And he did it really well and worked with our production department and Sam and got it all dialed. But that that's the kind of thing, you know, 
we're, the other end of that equation is we're constantly inspired because you've got guys like Sam and Jonathan and Noah and you know, Drew and Sam and oh my gosh, we've had so many people over the years, but now we've got, you know, four, I would say pretty hardcore young climbers, you know, all in their twenties and thirties, all expanding their, uh, capability set in terms of being able to climb harder all you know they're tr you know they're you know this isn't the uh, 80s when i was a climber and you would just climb and talk about it and drink beer afterwards these guys are training and watching their diet you know <laughs> doing lots of push-ups and core work and you're like oh my gosh but you know san and jonathan just got back from running up and down the grand and about what was it san uh we did it in like 16 hours yeah, right around 16. Yeah, it took some time. Just, I mean, just to kind of touch base on what uh, Goose was kind of going. In terms of like innovation, you know, I'd be lying to say if I wasn't like selfish in terms of some of that stuff. I mean, because we are climbers, right? So like we go out there and we're using the equipment and we're like, what do we want on our harness? Um, so a lot of it is like, you know, not all of it, but some of it is is we draw inspiration from the things that happen to us whenever we're out there in the wild. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of people use our equipment, too. So we get a lot of feedback in our, in our customer service. Uh, a lot of professionals use our equipment as well. So, like, you know, they tell us what they want or they tell us what they don't want or how it fits or how it's being used. But like, for instance, with the anti-gravity gear loops, it was just one of those things. I think a lot of people that climb or most climbers can sympathize. If you're looking for like equipment or if you're trying to carry a lot of stuff, I think, you know, the weight of it on your hips, the way that it feels is something always, someone always comments or like, hey, I was trying to, I was like cruxing out or I was like climbing something really hard and I couldn't reach the last piece of gear because it was out of the way and I couldn't, I could, I just physically couldn't get it because my hands were out, you know, they were kind of, they're kind of doing something. <laughs> so we decided to really um, focus on making sure the gear loop orientation and the placement and the way it hugged against you was like something that it wasn't something you would worry about because that's the last thing you want to worry about whenever you're climbing something. You want to make sure that things are accessible, one, and then two, you're really comfortable because you want to be able to put your entire mind on what you're focusing on, which is the rock in front of you. Um, we want, we don't want the, we didn't, we ourselves as climbers don't want that to be a hindrance in terms of sending something and not sending something. So that was kind of the inspiration for the anti-gravity gear loops. Um, also the look too, I think, you know, it's, it's, we're not the only harness manufacturers out there. We're not the only people that are trying to do what we're doing, but at the same time, they're also different looks or different trends that are kind of playing factors into the way that we design things. So making sure that we stay true to our misty roots in terms of our look is really important to us because you know when if you're a climber and you know misty mountain thread works you understand we have a specific look in terms of our gear loop so making that change was a little bit scary but at the same time also necessary in our mind because we were trying to solve a problem like goose was saying um it was problems that we've heard about we've experienced um but at the same time i think there's also that fine balance of trying to find the look and the problem, putting those two together. And I think between, between myself and the team, we're really excited with this new innovation. And we're also, also, this is another thing I always say, like, I, I hate saying, it's like, oh yeah, it feels lighter. <laughs> it feels like I'm trying to like sell you the harness. Oh yeah, it's like, I'm like, a, like a salesman or something. I'm like knocking your doors. Like, oh yeah, this will reduce your energy cost by like a thousand percent. Like that's kind of what I feel like I'm saying, but just to kind of validate myself a little bit, I have to say this. So we actually made a, a belt that had the similar gear loop orientation of like standard harnesses nowadays, right? It's got, if, if 
if you're climbing, you're listening, it's, you know, the, the gear loops are attached at the bottom side of your harness on either side. And there's usually two loops. So we made a harness belt with that orientation on one side. And then we made our anti-gravity gear loop orientation on the other side. And we let a, a lot of people try this thing on because <laughs> we, we, we thought we were just like, you know, blowing smoke over butts saying, Hey, we're like best thing, best. This is the next best thing since sliced bread. Like we did it. <laughs> But so what we did was we made a, a, a waist belt that had both sides. We racked all of our equipment on one side, one way, a very specific way, how we would use it if we were carrying basically the kitchen sink up the side of a wall. Yep. And then we racked the exact same on the opposite side. And more times than not, people were saying, yeah, it actually does feel lighter. So it's not something that we're just like, you know, it, it's, it's, it looks differently and it feels lighter. We, we did a lot of testing, a lot of like surveying to make sure that we weren't just you know, <laughs> making ourselves feel good. It was something that, and then on top of that too, we, we, you know, went out and tested it. I, I know Goose said that we just got back from the grand or Jonathan and I, who's our sales manager, we just got back from the grand. It was like a, also a product testing opportunity for us. Cause you know, it's, it's this particular harness fits in a certain category where you're wanting to move a little bit lighter or you're wanting to be a little bit lighter and move a little bit faster. So um, it, in our mind, this harness kind of fit that mold to some degree but we tested it out there and, you know, carried a bunch of weight on it and, and spent time in it. And then on top of that too, it was just one of those things where um, we, we put a lot of energy into figuring out that's that problem or that uh, figuring out a solution to that problem for those gear loops. But uh, like I said, between myself and the team, I think we're all really excited about it. We're hoping to release it here soon. Uh, there's still a couple of tweaking. Uh, there's still a little bit of tweaking that we need to do on it, but uh, ultimately, I think we're in, moving in the right direction. So we're excited. <laughs> yeah, love it. Well, you know, Goose, you mentioned earlier being the president and I guess the sole owner at this point of the organization. And that means whatever, fixing toilets as well as making payroll, et cetera. I'm sure you've seen a lot of ups and downs. You know, as the industry has evolved, competitors have come in. Um, as you've seen, even just the economy go back and forth. You've seen globalization. You, you've seen a lot of different evolutions as, you know, in, in all aspects of that word, as you've been at the organization. And I'm sure there are points at which maybe you felt like you couldn't make the payroll or how are we going to stay in business or where are we going to go to next and what should I double down? I mean, you know, you guys are now in military equipment and full body harnesses and adventure harnesses, et cetera. And I just, I'd love to hear from your perspective, what were some of the, we talked a lot about product innovation, you know, was there organizational innovation that happened or business innovation that happened in terms of, I've got to make this change to kind of keep up with competitors or keep up with globalization or keep up with whatever that you really felt like looking back, man, those maybe seem like a small decision or maybe seem like a big decision at the time. And uh, sometimes we call those track switchers or the things that, that really set you on a different course as an organization. Any, anything that rings a bell there? Oh yes, John, I've been scared as hell before. Yeah. Um, most recently it was back in about 2008. And if you'll remember then the economy was not doing very well. We were also kind of reeling because we were just getting slammed by a, uh, competitors who were using offshore manufacturing and their cost structures were much lower than ours. Yeah. So it was a it was a rough time for us then and I realized we needed we had basically two categories that we were competing in. We're in recreational harnesses. Um, so if you want to go out and go climb with your buddies, buy a harness at the local climbing shop, buy it on the internet, that's we're in that space. 
And then, of course, we're in a, what we call adventure, which is anything from climbing gyms to ropes courses to zip lines, you know, camps, summer camps, high schools that have a climbing wall. Anybody that's doing that sort of thing, that's called adventure around here. So I look at that and I realized we needed a third category of products that we didn't have and a third category of customers that we didn't have. Yeah. And I started looking around to see, all right, who would use what we make? Who, who would use it if we made it for them? And a real obvious answer for us was the military. Um, we're in North Carolina, so that means we're about four hours away from camp. Um, I'm sorry, uh, Fort Bragg, which is the largest military installation in the whole wide country, I believe. Yeah. Um, we're not too far from Camp Lejeune, about five hours from there. And that's the second largest Marine base in the U.S. And we're only about six, six and a half hours away from Virginia Beach, which is where a whole lot of naval special warfare and other things happen in a big way. Marines have Quantico up there. Um, so anyway, long story short, I started looking at, you know, how do we get into this market? And we're not experts in the military. We're a bunch of civilians here. Yeah. But I did reach out and talk to some friends that had friends. And, uh, you know, long story short, we got introduced to a guy named Ish Antonio. And Ish was a retired U.S. Air Force uh, special um, forces guy. He was a pararescue man. Yeah. So these pararescue guys, they undergo this extensive training. It's similar to the SEALs where, you know, it's just brutal, you know, stuff that you have to get through to make it to that level. And, and once you made it to that level, they're going to train you in, you know, high altitude parachuting. Obviously, you're going to become an expert marksman. You're going to become an expert at keeping people alive. You're, you're a paramedic. So anyway, I worked with Ish. We got to be friends. You know, he came out here. I took him climbing and handed him the rack and said, here's a route. Do this one, you know, because he had told me about climbing El Cap. And I'm like, well, shoot, if you can climb El Cap, you can climb our little rock here. Uh, but that's kind of the way, uh, you know, climbing is definitely a, it's kind of like Missouri. It's a show yeah. me stick. Oh, you climbed, do you? Well, then take the rope up this rock and let's see how that goes. I'll play you. And uh, but Ish passed the test and I guess I did, too. And we got to be friends and started designing gear for the military. And, you know, that worked out great for us. We've gotten several contracts with the, the relationship with Ish produced uh, some harnesses that are part of a SOCOM TCCC CASVAC contract, uh, tactical combat casualty care. We've made the harnesses for the Army Mountain kits, both the regular Milrock and for the Special Forces, our Cadillac Tactical. So that that third category is now alive and flourishing for us. And that was a big you know, game changer for us and one that definitely helps us do things like um, make payroll and I get to cash my check too and uh, things like that. So, yeah, that's. And that's that's another way we innovate, because when we're in a space that we're not the experts, we find the experts and we, we make relationships with them. And that's how we, you know, create new products on the military side. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think, you know, to Sam's point, being exclusively manufactured in the USA has to be a big selling point to the armed forces as well. Right. Especially as. I love that kind of zigzag mentality where it's like, okay, well, 
all of our competitors are, are zigging this way to get a lower cost structure. We've got to zag to, you know, take advantage of our higher cost structure, but also we're, you know, built in the USA. Mm-hmm. That gave you a little bit of a leg up. Well, this has been fascinating to sit down with you guys. I, you know, I'm realizing I haven't even asked you really about e-commerce, which is the whole point of the, the podcast, but <laughs> I, I really do believe that innovation is in the business model, it's in the culture, it's in every aspect, and, and e-commerce is really just an extension of that too. But maybe as we kind of wrap some of this up, mm-hmm. let's just talk about a little bit of e-commerce. So Goose, how many people are dedicated to e-commerce at your company, if anyone? No one. Yeah. There there are people involved in it, and San is here to speak on that, but uh, dedicated, we're a small company. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you're not wearing multiple hats, you don't work for me. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us about some of the biggest roadblocks or challenges as it relates to e-commerce today and your role specifically, San. I I mean... You know, in theory, right, e-commerce is like a really simple concept, like, right, you sell stuff online. (laughs) Um, But I mean, once you start peeling back the layers, especially with advent of like social media and things of that nature, it becomes a lot trickier, especially because you're, you know, you're competing against companies, bigger companies that have huge budgets that they can just throw, you know, X amount of ad dollars per month, per year, whatever it might be, or they can have people generating content always for them. We're like Goose was saying, we are a smaller company. So it's essentially like we have to be very particular in the layers that we peel back. Um, it's just, and also on top of that too, because, you know, we are a smaller company, we don't have the the manpower to kind of generate the content necessary because nowadays it's, it's hard to say e-commerce without thinking social media, right? Because that's yeah. the way a lot of people do a lot of their advertising nowadays. So like I said, it's, that's the biggest thing. Um, I think we know our brand, we know our message. Um, and the important thing for us is creating the proper visuals when we want to, when we want to start promoting or when we want to start pushing a certain thing. Um, so we, we, right now, the way that we kind of think of e-commerce is, or the way that we're kind of trying to, you know, combat in those bigger companies is just really get good at our core, um, our core or identify our core e-commerce goals essentially. Um, so, you know, we, we focus a lot, we're, we're pushing harder on some email blasts because there's things that we can handle. Um, we have a really good core base, like in terms of the clients that we have or the customers we have, we have a really dedicated and loyal uh, base. So we're, we really, really appreciate that. And we also try and take advantage of that fact. Right. And then on top of that too, we have, we focus on Instagram, social media, you have all these other different ones that you can incorporate, but we, at the moment right now for us, that's kind of our strongest in terms of social media. But for us right now, like I said, really, it's just creating those visuals that make sure that when they see a Misty Mountain ad or when they go to our website or they go to our Instagram, they can kind of feel the culture and that resonates. So, I mean, in terms of e-commerce, again, it's just being very particular, which layers you peel back because there's a lot. You can go down as many rabbit holes as you want. There's holes in the ground all over the place. You can go as far as you want, but I think it's identifying the ones that you really feel like work with your particular brand, which I feel like we're doing, and then really getting good at those small, you know, whatever it might be. And your Amazon strategy looks like you kind of somewhat relegated that to specialty harness shops or, or climbing shops or outdoor shops, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, go look at your listings, et cetera. It looks like it's largely just being fulfilled via distribution or, or partners. Is that 
working today? Does it represent any challenges in terms of that storytelling or what does that look like for you guys? I mean, I think, you know, those, those uh, customers that we had that help us do that, they're really helpful people. You know I mean? It helps us too, because again, it's, you know, really back related back to size. I mean, in terms of in, in <laughs> with the two day fulfillment in Amazon, we do make everything in house here. So um, all of our stuff is handmade, it's handcrafted. It's helpful to have those types of customers that will help us with that so that, you know, they, they'll place orders ahead of time or preseason orders or things of that nature that, so they can fulfill those requests faster um, because they're preemptively, you know, thinking that they're going to have to sell those harnesses. I mean, in terms of, you know, creating a good customer experience is also getting the harness to the person in a timely manner. So I, I see those things as being beneficial for us. And then on top of that too, you know, we're able to kind of sell on our website and do all those different things. Uh, one thing that's really unique about Misty that we really love is our versatility in terms of what we can do for a harness for you. Um, we have a custom harness builder, which is, I think, unique to the industry potentially. Uh, I think some folks might be trying to dabble a little bit, but we, yeah. we, we're really good at being able to create very specific harnesses in terms of picking different colors um, for different picking different sizes. We also, again, it, it, it just kind of relates back to our climbing is for everyone ethos. Uh, we have a really, really large size range. So, you know, being able to provide a platform for people to be like, okay, well, I didn't think climbing was for me because I couldn't find a harness that fit me. It's like, no, we, we got you, we can make you a harness. Um, and on top of that too, adding flair, those are things that potentially you can't buy on Amazon. <laughs> um, and it's not going to take, you know, it's going to take a little bit longer, but it's also one of those things, again, telling our story, right? Being able to create flair and, and, and uh, a unique harness for yourself is something we want to be able to continue to offer to people. So uh, we're also really excited about that. No, I love that. And I, I noticed that on the website too. I thought that was super innovative. And so just on the top of innovation, being able to create your own custom harness is pretty next level. I love that. Well, Goose and I can talk to you guys forever and hopefully I get to come visit you guys at your offices at some point, but thank you so much for making time. Uh, incredible stories, incredible organization. Congratulations on all of the success and uh, I guess we'll see you out on the boulders. Thanks yeah. to you, John. Thanks to Pattern for putting this on. I appreciate it. And all the mountain mamas and musicians and climbers at Misty Mountain really appreciate it too. All right. Well, you guys take care. We'll see you around. Bye-bye. Take care. Have a good one.